was to Galilee in Judea, uh, to Bethlehem, to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. So who's the father of Jesus? What's his name? Joseph. Very good. And the, uh, the mother? Mary. The father is? Praise God. Amen. I just want to make sure everybody knows the basics here. Okay. <laughs> oh, that, okay. I see the, the actual flesh, flesh father, okay? So the father of Jesus is? Amen. And the mother is? That was my bad. Yes, that's, that is kind of a tricky question, isn't it? Okay, so let's see. Who was pledged to marry him and was expecting a child? Verse 6. While they were there, the time uh, came for the baby to be born. And what baby is this? Amen. Verse 7. I want you to uh, go ahead and concentrate on verse 7. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in clothes and she placed him in a what? In a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So turn your Bibles to Revelation chapter 19 really quick, please. Last book of the Bible, Revelations chapter 19, verse 6. She wrapped him in clothes and placed him in a manger. Revelations 19, verse 16. On his robe and on his uh, thigh, he has this name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Now, who is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Jesus. Come on, guys. Are you guys okay? Are you guys... Are you guys do we need to either wake up or really break down the Bible? Do I have to start over here? Do I have to give you baby food? Or do you guys understand the Bible? Just a little bit. You guys understand it? Let me get an amen. Okay, so the mother of Mary is... Oh, I'm sorry, guys. See, I, I messed up. So, so the mother of Jesus is... And the fleshy father of Jesus is... Amen. And then Revelation 19.16 calls who? King of kings and Lord of lords. Thank you. Amen. Making me feel a little bit better now. So the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So if you're a king, you're, you're, you're in pretty good shape. But when you're the King of all kings, you're in pretty great shape. Am I right? I mean, the King of all kings is Jesus Christ. And he was born in a manger, you guys. So our Lord and our Savior was born in a stable, which was most likely a cave in which barn animals were kept. So the greatest event of all time, the birth of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, happened next to a dirty, smelly barn animal. You understand me? Do you understand? Like the, the greatest event that has happened in history was the birth of Jesus, and he was born, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords was born in a cave next to a smelly, dirty donkey or a lamb. You understand me? And he was born there. The king of kings was not born into, royal, into a royal earthly palace, but into humility and simplicity. That's what he was born into. You understand me? So he was not born into royalty. He was not in a marble palace, but in humility. He was born into humility and simplicity. Amen? So let's take a lesson from that, okay? That, 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 that tells us, that, hey, if Jesus was born in that, and you look in your situation right now, and you're like, I deserve this, or I might deserve that. It's like reality check. Man, I think I might need to humble myself. 
or anything I might need the Lord to humble me. And that includes me, man. I, I, I like nice things, too. Sometimes I'm like, man, I'm paying this amount of dollars every trimester of school, and it's a lot of money, guys. College is expensive. I'm just like, man, I have no money to just, like, spend on myself. And I'm just like, come on, I don't need that. You know, this, like when I read that, I was like, man, that's the true meaning of Christmas, isn't it? The birth of Jesus and just being happy with what you got, you understand? So let's continue reading. Um, verse 8. Let me see, let me see. Verse 8, am I right? Yes, verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby. So that was the first point, by the way, that we broke down off the scripture. Keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy and uh, that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Verse 12, this, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Verse 13, suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men whom his favor rests. Man, come on. I would love to see that, wouldn't you? Man, just angels appear after, after that one angel. First of all, after an angel tells you, man, this is the best day of your life right now because you don't even know it or realize it. But your Savior has been born right now just moments ago. And they're just like, what? They're freaking out. He had to calm them down. And, he, and then after he calmed them down and, real, and they realized the, uh, what exactly happened, just angels started to appear. And they started praising God. Suddenly a great company, so a, a, a big amount of them, of heavenly hosts, appeared with the angel praising God. Man, so they, those shepherds saw a glimpse of what heaven is like. A glimpse. Come on, somebody. Man, I would love to see that. Verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. Which the angels had left. Um, so verse 16, So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Now get this right here, verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the what? They spread the what? Okay, so the second we, thing we find in the nativity story, okay, is that is, is we find an example of evangelism. You understand me? So when the shepherds saw this and they saw the baby being born and it was revealed to them, when they had seen him, they spread the word. You see, that's one of the first times we see evangelism in the New Testament. You understand me? Concerning what had been told to them about the child. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. If everybody could just come to the first and second rows, please. Come on. You guys there, amen? All right. Uh, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witness in Jerusalem and, and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, that's a scripture involving what? Evangelizing. You will be my witness, says the Lord. You will be my witness. Now, you will go out and spread the word to everybody. And when they saw, when they were told by the angel Gabriel, or, or um, 
I believe it was Gabriel, told them, hey, Jesus was born. Your Lord and your Savior has just been born. What did they do? They spread the word. Come on, somebody. So that's another example we find in the Tiffany story, evangelism. The first one was humility. The second one is evangelism. So the news, uh, uh, let's see. Amen. Okay, let's continue reading. I got a little ahead of myself. Verse 18. And all who heard it were amazed at the shepherd at what the, uh, the shepherds said to them. So all that heard, those shepherds that were telling them, man, you, you will not believe what I just heard, what I just seen. I just saw an angel come to me. And then after he told me this, there was a huge company of heavenly hosts that began to worship God. And I got a glimpse of heaven. And why did I see this glimpse of heaven? Because Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, has been born. And all who heard were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Verse 21, on the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the first time, excuse me, excuse me. Ooh, amen. So when the time, verse 22, when the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem and presented him to the Lord. As it was written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be uh, consecrated to the Lord. Verse 24, and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two pigeons. Verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simon, who was righteous and devout. Somebody say righteous and devout. He was waiting for the uh, consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit fell upon him. Come on, somebody. See, Simon, this is the third point right here. The first one was what? The second one was, amen. Okay, and the third one now, we're going to about to see. Simon was a prime example of how a devout man of God was supposed to be before Jesus' death on the cross. And a prime example of how a devout man should be after the death. So all around general, Simon is a prime example of how a man or woman should be. Amen? So the text, um, the text tells us that Simon was righteous and devout. Okay, amen. So righteous translates the Greek word dikaios. Somebody say dikaios. Or the Hebrew yashir, meaning straight. So righteous, it translates either in Greek or in, uh, or Hebrew as in straight. So when one of the guys come to me, he says, hey, dude, come on, let's do this, let's do this, let's do I'm just, I look at him like, I'm straight. I'm saying, I'm righteous, brother. I don't want to do that. I'm <laughs> just kidding. You see, but you can say that now when, when some fools come at you, when a girl, when, when a guy comes at you, ladies be like, man, girl, let me get your number. There's a daytime going on today. Come on, let's go. Don't worry about church. Don't worry about that fella. I'm straight. Ooh, I'm righteous. Get out my face, son. Come on, somebody. And when that lady or, or when the fellas, when that guy or somebody tries to get you to go somewhere and do something you know you shouldn't be doing or watching something you shouldn't be watching, be like, I'm straight, brother. I'm straight. I'm righteous. Come on. 
Come on, somebody. Oh, oh, come on. In the Old Testament, this word implied more than just comfort, um, just confirming to the commandments. It, it indicated that a person was in the right relationship with God. You see, so when somebody was, so when uh, somebody was called righteous, or in the Old Testament, straight, or yashir, okay, or dikaios, uh, when somebody was called that, that just didn't mean that person was follow the commandments and that was it. No, it meant that that person had an intimate relationship with God. Amen? So Simon was not perfect, but he strived for the perfection. Praise God. You see, so he is a prime example of how we should be. We should be straight. Amen? Ain't no loosey-goosey, you know what I'm talking about, upstairs people going on. Okay, we straight. We straight, okay? Those of you guys don't know what upstairs mean, okay? Upstairs is just a, a hidden, a, 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 what is it, an inside joke of like a very flamboyant men. You know where I'm getting at with that, okay? So when, when, but when <laughs> you ever see movies, they'll be like, oh, hey, you ride that way. Whoa, 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 I'm not a switch hitter. I am straight as an arrow. I'm righteous. Come on, somebody. I'm righteous, okay? So, fellas, how many straight people you got in here? How many straight guys you got here? <laughs> yeah, all right, all right. Or else you would have gotten talking to a little afterwards. Amen. Praise the Lord. We got straight people in here. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Although God does love homosexuals, he just doesn't like what they do. Amen. Okay. He loves the person, but he hates the sin. He loves me, but he hates the sin I do. Amen. Amen. But we strive to be straight. <clears throat> Amen. Let's go to verse 26. Okay. So the first one was humility. The second one, the second thing we find in the nativity story is evangelism. The third thing we find is that a prime example of how to be as a Christian. Amen. Okay, so verse 26, it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's, uh, the Lord's Christ. Now he's still talking about Simon. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents bought uh, brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him what was the custom of the law as required. Verse 28, Simon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. A light for, for revelation to the Gentiles and for the glory, and for glory to your people, Israel. Verse 33, the child's father and mother marvel at what was said about him. Verse 34, then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And check this part. And a sword will pierce your own soul too. So right here, this gets to my fourth point. This is the first implied reference in Luke's gospel to the suffering and death of Christ. That's the first reference. See, this is also a reference to show how Mary will suffer greatly uh, to uh, greatly to, uh, to to fulfill God's will within her life and within the life of Jesus. So they're both going to have to suffer greatly, but specifically right here, Mary. And like Mary, we ought to feel a sword pierced in our own soul for the name of Jesus. Okay? 
So the first one is, the second one is, the third one is, example of a Christian, amen. And the third one, huh? The fourth one is, is learning how to be pierced in the heart, okay? So we got to be pierced in the heart for, for the Lord. We are going to suffer. We are going to suffer, okay? It might not be uh, to the point of uh, how the Christians suffer in China or in some places in South America, but nonetheless, we're going to have to suffer, okay? Because being part of, part, be, part of being a Christian is dying to your flesh. Man, one of, the, oh, one of the most greatest things I've ever heard, like as an example or a reference, I should say, or an analogy, is when past, uh, Pastor uh, Brandon Halt here on Tuesday, those of you who missed it, we had an awesome worship time here. A brother from Georgia came by, anointed singer. He said the altar is the, where the burning of flesh is sacrificed. The burning of flesh is sacrificed. And, like, we burn our flesh. Like, in the Old Testament, they burned flesh, and it was, it was a pleasant aroma to the Lord. It was a pleasant aroma. It was a sacrifice to him. And this altar, we, that's why I tell you guys, come to the altar. I don't want no stragglers in the back. You come to the altar when you worship. And this is the place right here where we sacrifice our flesh and we burn into the Lord. And don't you think that's a, that's a, that's a good smelling aroma to him? <clears throat> yes, my child is being purified by the fire. Amen? Come on, somebody. I love that, man. Let's never forget that. So verse 36, let's go on here. There was also a prophetess. All the girls go, hey, prophetess Anna, the daughter of Phanil. I hope I said that right, of the tribe of Ashir. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped day and night, fasting and praying, coming up to them. At, the, at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was, fulfilled, he was filled with wisdom and grace. And the grace of God was upon him. Amen. That was the nativity story right there. So that was the birth of Christ. That was the birth of our Lord and Savior. And through that birth, through this passage, through that story, we find examples of humility. We find examples of evangelism. We find examples of uh, what a Christian should be. And we find examples of, uh, of how we should be unto the Lord, pierced at the heart. Amen. So, and I just want to point out, I think I found, I was really thinking about this. I'm like, man, what? Uh, like, what are some of the greatest things that the birth really brought about? Because there's just tons. The Bible, you know, it's just filled with them. But I really, I really cut it down to about seven things that I, that I really, um, really uh, believe that the, the birth of Christ um, produced. You see, because of the birth of Christ, he showed us that it was possible to live a sinless life. Amen. So in 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, everyone who sins breaks the law. In fact, sin is lawlessness. But you know that he, Jesus, appeared so that he might take away our sins, and in him is no sin. So he lived on this earth fully man, 
fully God, but fully man and fully sinless. So he showed us that it was possible to live a sinless life. Amen. The second thing, he showed us, uh, he showed us how to stop the devil on his tracks. He showed us that. And we see that in Matthew chapter uh, 4, verse 4. You see, Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, at that time, the devil was tempting him. Then the devil took him uh, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you, this is the devil speaking, son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and, and his splendor. All this will be you, will, will be, will, I will give to you, he said. If you will bow down and worship me. That's the devil speaking. Verse 10. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. You see, what was his response? It was written. It was written. It was written. So he was quoting what? Scripture. He was quoting the word, okay? So how do we stop the devil in his tracks? Through the word of God. Amen? So he showed us that. The third thing that he shows us, he reminds the world the two most important commandments. He reminds us. It was always there, but he reminds us. In Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, verse 39, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law, uh, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So loving God and loving people, he reminded us that. Because at that time, the people really needed to be reminded of that. They really didn't love God, and they really didn't love each other either. Let's see, one, two, three. Number four, he gave us the strategy. Through his birth, he grew up, and he was able to give us a strategy. Matthew 20 and 19, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Make disciples. That's the strategy. Connect them, enter, and sign. Amen. Number five, he gave us power. Somebody say power. Come on, somebody. Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He gave us power. He gave us the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Number six, he gave us redemption on the cross. And come on, that's the that's whole Bible right there. Okay, but if you want the specific verse of the crucifixion, it's Matthew chapter 27. You go on and read that. Amen. Now, number seven right here. I love this right here. Because of his birth, through the birth and the life of Jesus Christ, he fulfilled over 116 Old Testament prophecies. Who in the world can do that? Who in the world can do that? Nobody but my Jesus. Come on, somebody. Somebody say, nobody but my Jesus. Amen. So we find a lot of, a lot of really cool things in the Nativity story. And I loved. It was awesome. I had a blast studying this. And I really hope that it really gave you understanding that it was, it was just another.